Welcome to Confessions from a Dental Lab. This show is all about bringing you into the lab, beneath the surface, so you can see things, hear things, and understand things right from the source. Learn from longtime ceramists, dentists, and lab techs, both young and old. Without further ado, let's begin. Dr. Elvis Adamo, welcome to the show. How you doing? <laughs> I'm good, bud. How you doing? I'm doing great. My name is KJ Eichstead. I'm the brand manager at New Art Dental Lab, and we're very excited to have Dr. Elvis Adamo join us today. This is Confessions from a Dental Lab, the show that takes you beneath the surface so you can hear things, you can learn things right from the source. We like talking to technicians, we like talking to digital smile designers, ceramists, uh, but we really love talking to dentists as well because it's our hope that by listening to this, you can take something away that you can apply and then just get a little bit better. And so, Dr. Adamo, thank you again for joining us. First question, uh, could you introduce yourself? Like, who is Dr. Adamo, who you are, and what you do? All right, well, perfect. First, uh, thank you for having me. I'm, uh, I always enjoy doing these, and uh, I'm looking forward to having some fun today. Um, so I'm going to clear up my name issue now because a lot of people think that Adamo is actually my last name. My people, I have patients who come in and go, oh, do you know a Mike Adamo or... I'm like, no, Adamo is my first name. So my actual full real name is Adamo. My middle name is actually Elvis. And my oh, last okay. name is No Tarantonio. So that's where Adamo Elvis comes from. I tried to be, I was a big soccer player when I was young. So I wanted to be like a Brazilian soccer player with one name. So I just went by Adamo and it was fine. Nobody could say my last name anyway. And it never fit on the back of my jersey because it's too long. So I just went with Adamo. And uh, as I got older and I, started to appreciate my middle name, which I didn't love my middle name um, when I was growing up, but now I'm a huge Elvis fan. And uh, so that kind of got started with in my first email, then my Instagram, and now it's kind of my household name, I guess. Yeah, that's really interesting. You, you made me think of a few things. Uh, first of all, Giannis Antetokounmpo, he, he's in Milwaukee, and uh, we're right outside of Milwaukee. So he, his name is tough to fit on the back of the jersey. But have you ever heard of the soccer player Adama Traore? I think he just has Adama on the back. It's it's not quite Adamo, but just kind of. Oh, that's funny. I have not. I have not. Yeah, that's, that's he's, funny. In, he's in the Premier League. Let me see real quick. He's on um, he's on Wolverhampton. So he's pretty good. OK, but, uh, OK. Yeah, I used to play FIFA a lot. And, and that's just who you made me think of. So that's great. Yeah, Dr. Adamo, where are you calling from? So I am in Long Island, New York. Um, I practice in a town called Huntington, which is about halfway out on the island. I would say probably 50 miles from Manhattan and maybe a little less. And then the same out east uh, on the eastern end of Long Island. So I've been here all my life. I live in a house five blocks from the house I grew up in. I went to Stony Brook Dental School, which is seven minutes from the house I grew up in. My practice is 15 minutes from where I grew up. So I've been a Long Island, New York native my whole life. That's really cool. Uh, do you want to talk about like, like what kind of sense of pride does that give you? Um, you know, I, I think obviously I'm a New Yorker at heart. Um, I think the pride for me comes from you know, just continuing my my family legacy in the sense that, you know, my mom and dad came here from another country. They're both from Italy. My mom was 12. My dad was 17. 
and they didn't have, you know, two nickels to rub together. Um, they built uh, a great life for me working extremely hard, which is uh, something I pride myself on as a clinician. And I was the first person to graduate college in my family. So it was, um, it does give me pride, you know, to be around family. I'm really close with my family. I mean, I have 50 first cousins. My parents are seven brothers and sisters each. So um, we're really tight. A lot of them live in Long Island. I do have family uh, back in Italy also, and I have some in California. But, you know, my family here, we're, we're really, really close. I mean, holidays are 30, 40, 50 people every single time. And that doesn't even get the family, which is kind of funny. But I, I think that's where the pride comes from, not so much for you know, the state I live in. I love, I love the town I live in. I love the island I live in. I love New York. Um, but I think if I was anywhere else and my life took the same track, I would be proud of my family and where we live because they really did this for me. I mean, no matter where they landed, they had to, to build this with nothing. So I think that's the, that's the pride part for me to see, um, where they came from because I visit Italy often. I still have you know, family there. So I saw how they grew up um, and I saw what they were able to accomplish here to provide for me, my sister and, you know, my aunts and uncles for their children and so on and so forth. So that's what really makes me the proudest, to be honest. That's amazing. Honestly, I, I can relate to a lot of that. Uh, that's kind of one of the reasons I get out of bed in the morning. And that's also why we love having just people like you on the show, because you never know what types of unique backgrounds people come from. And it's certainly inspiring to a lot of dentists out there, whether they're born in America, whether they're born in Italy, whether they're born in Brazil, there is a path to do it. Uh, real quick, what, what part of Italy? I'm actually going to Italy for two weeks in, in about a month here. So maybe offline, you give me a few tips, but where, oh, where that's awesome. are, are you from and, and where do you like to go? Maybe like a quick little, quick little side. So my family's from um, a town called Frosinone. Well, that's the, bigger area um and my mom is from a tiny tiny little town called setevradi which means seven brothers and it's like in the middle top of a mountain um there's like 90 people that live in the town i think there's more sheep than there are human beings in this town uh but it's beautiful i mean it's unbelievable and my dad is from a town called isola deliri which means the island of money although it's a pretty poor town in italy it's kind of ironic the name um and it is about an hour south of Rome and about an hour and a half north of Naples. So okay. um, I've been really to the big cities, to be honest, you know, as I get older and I want to travel more and see things, I haven't seen too much of Italy because when I would go back, I would just go see family. Um, when I was a kid, I went every summer for three months, but we stayed in the little town that my dad's from. I have cousins who uh, I would spend the whole summer with. And then as I got older, uh, I'm a big soccer fan. I was a pro soccer player for a little bit when I graduated college. And um, I'm a big diehard Roma fan. So when yeah. my grandma when my grandma got older, I would go usually leave like on a Thursday night, get to Italy Friday morning, see her for Friday, Saturday. Then I would drive to Rome on Sunday, go see the game, and I would fly home on Monday. Um, and I would do that once or twice a year because she started to get up there in age. Um, she lived to 108. Holy cow! So, yeah, she was an she was an amazing lady. What was her uh, secret? So, honestly, it's so funny. Everybody's like, well, "Let me guess." She drank wine, and it's funny. She did. Um, she did have a little wine with uh, her lunch every day. But I think the fun, the funniest thing story for me with her that I'll never forget. 
I went for her 100th birthday and my cousin had gotten married the day before. So weddings in uh, Italy, they're not like here where they start at seven o'clock or six o'clock at night and then you go till midnight. They're at like noon and you're done by four or five o'clock. So around five, I take her home and I bring her in the house. She's 100 years old. And I go, Grandma, you want to eat dinner? She's like, no, I don't eat dinner. I'm like, okay, you want anything? She goes, I usually have fruit or a salad. You know what? Just cut up some fruit. So I cut up some fruit and I'm about to pour us a little glass of wine. She's like, what are you doing? I'm like, don't you have a little wine at dinner too? She goes, no, 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 no. Wine's for lunch. I want a beer. There's a Bex in the fridge. And I open the door and the whole door is full of Bex beer. That was her favorite thing in the world. So she would drink out of an orange sippy cup, a glass of Bex every single night. It's a good beer. It's a good beer. I've had a few of those. Yeah, that is it's a good fascinating. Beer. She likes those. Uh, but you know, and did honestly, you... I honestly, I think, I think the reason that she did, I don't. She had four sisters. They all lived over 103. By the way, um, that's unbelievable. For me, the main reason I, I don't remember. We never bought anything when I went to Italy in terms of food. Like if I wanted tomatoes, she picked them because she grew it. If I wanted eggs we picked them from the chicken if i wanted chicken she killed the chicken and we ate it like there's no processed anything homemade pasta like and you know if i eat certain foods here i feel like i'm going to explode but if i eat the same thing there i can eat 25 pounds of it so i think the additives the chemicals the preservatives she never ever bought anything at all i mean she we we made everything so i think that's a you know a big thing with you know, pace of life, I think, is important. But also, I think the the natural foods and, and no additives and preservatives are huge. Yeah, I, I would imagine um, that's a huge reason. Probably uh, has a lot to do with, like, the family as well. Just, like, having, you know, getting to see all you guys blossom and, and stuff. There, That's, like, something to get you out of bed every day as well. Real, real side note, did you ever catch any um, – I think Mohamed Salah played at Roma for a bit before he – you know, went to Liverpool and kind of ascended to one of these best players in the world. Did you ever get to see any uh, games of him in at Roma? So on a side note, I'm a very emotional guy. I, I cry a lot, even though I might not look like I do. You're going to make me cry by saying that because that transfer, I wanted to kill myself. <laughs> he, was my, he was my favorite. Yes, I did see him live. I absolutely did. I, I went two, three games a year I used to go to. And I mean, when they had him, I thought, a couple more players and it was time for us to to make it big and typical Roma they they sell all their good players and they never really stock them back up for a little while so yeah I was heartbroken and I'm actually a Liverpool fan because I follow because I love him um I I always enjoyed Premier League soccer but I never really rooted for anyone I just I like the game because they played great football there um but him he's he was one of my favorites of all time yeah, I think it was just super cool to see a guy like, you know, he kind of from Egypt, too. So so you don't really see that. Um, yeah. You know, it's cool. Like, uh, you know, like like the United States, we kind of have Christian Pulisic. Um, but 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 it's just like we're not really like a powerhouse similar to Egypt or similar to Roma. Um, although Roma's had some nice some nice seasons, I, I will say. Uh, yeah, we could talk all day about this, Dr. Adamo, but 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 let's bring it back <laughs> for a sec. All right. Uh, all right. How long have you been practicing dentistry? And can you tell us a little more about your dental journey? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I can start as, as far back as college, to be honest. Usually, uh, whenever I lecture, I, I usually tell my story on how I got into dentistry. At the end of my lecture, 
And um, I actually had no idea what I wanted to do after college. I really was focused on sports more than anything and soccer to, in particular. And when I realized that I wasn't going to make a career out of it here, because when I graduated, college was 1996. Uh, it was the 1996 was the first year of the MLS. And, um, you know, I played in a local farm team here b below that, but nothing, you know, crazy. And I kind of gave up. I was tired and, and done. So I quit. And um, I was gonna, I went home and my mom and dad were like, well, what are you going to do? And I was like, I want to work for you guys. My dad drove a garbage truck and my mom was his secretary. So my father had other ideas. He was like, you're not going to go back to school. And I'm like, nah, I'm good. So he said, you can work for me, but you're not going to work in the office. You're going to work on the back of the truck and I'm going to make you wish you never closed the book. So he made me pick up 750 houses a day by myself. And I was in really good shape then. And I have to tell you, um, if anybody's listening to this and you don't tip your garbage men, tip them good because it's the most miserable job on the planet. Um, I did it for a year and a half. And the only reason I went to dental school is because my big brother, big, big brother in my fraternity was at NYU. He was a first year and he's like, dude, go to dental school. I'm like, I don't even know what the dentist is. We, we didn't go for cleanings as kids. My parents you know, they didn't even have a dentist when they were growing up. So I didn't know what a mirror was when I got to school. I didn't know what composite was. I didn't know what an explorer was. I was the kid who was like, um, yeah, I have zero dental background. While everyone else was like, you know, my dad's an oral surgeon. My mother's a pediatric dentist. So I went into school pretty behind the eight ball, um, knowing nothing. And um, yeah, and here I am. It's uh, It's pretty crazy. That is really cool. I'm sure your athlete background kind of helped you just like grind and learn. And, and it, there is an advantage to being like a little bit of a blank slate, you know, so you don't really have any bad habits. Maybe you don't think you're, you know, too prideful to, to learn something new. Um, do, you, do you think that helped you along your journey? Yeah, 100 percent. You know, I think. Um, I honestly think that working on the back of the garbage truck took taught me work ethic like no other. And I think when I, you know, obviously as an athlete, I worked hard because I wanted to be the best. And when I was a garbage man, I worked hard. Um, and then when I got into school and I realized that I was way behind the eight ball because a lot of these kids knew a lot more than I did before I started. So I had to work harder. Um, and that's just something that stuck with me through my whole life from athlete to manual labor to dental school. And even to this day, I mean, I have people come shadow me all the time. I have, I've had two residents, uh, one finished. I have an, another ACD resident now. And I remember my first resident, Devin, after our first day, I work eight to eight on Monday, eight to eight on Tuesday and eight to like three or four on Wednesday. And then I usually get on the plane and go lecture every weekend. Um, and at the end of the first night, she looked at me and one eye was going left and one eye was going right. And she goes, I'm not going to make it. I'm like, you'll be fine. Don't worry. And after a while, she, she was great. She was amazing. But I don't think she realized the amount of effort that I put into each day, um, trying to balance lecture and travel life and a crazy, crazy busy dental office. Um, I mean, my schedule's booked for till July at this point. So it's hard. It's a lot. But I, I think with not a good work ethic, I would have failed. And that's not okay with me. So it's something that I've taken over the years and I, I, I pride myself on work ethic and, uh, and giving your all. I, I think that's tremendous advice because it's one of the few things you can control. And um, whether it's 
dentistry, sports, being a garbage man, you know, being a creative, being anything. Uh, it's one of the few things you can control. And going back to the whole family thing, uh, you know, my grandma, my grandpa actually grew up on a farm and, uh, you know, he, he ended up doing very well for himself. And it's just like, I look at that and I'm like, it's just inspiring stuff. So, so I, I sure. thank you for sharing that. Uh, how about this? You definitely talked about some of this, but, but I'd like you to maybe take this in any direction you'd like, Dr. Damo. Um, what's one X factor that separates you from other dentists? I'm going to say determination or perseverance. Uh, I won't, if I get something in my head, I won't stop until I get it right. And I will give it a hundred and I don't know 35 miles an hour. I know zero and I know 210. That's it. <laughs> That's just the way I roll. I don't, um, I don't have an in-between and sometimes it's bad, right? I really should slow it down and take a deep breath and, and enjoy the view. Um, but yeah, I, I'm, I, I go pretty hardcore at everything I do. Uh, it's funny when I lecture with uh, my partner, Amanda C., she um she laughs and she shows you know photos of me that she has that not incriminating but like me playing soccer or me bodybuilding which i used to do and she's like listen for those of you who don't know him he don't he doesn't have a middle gear it's 150 miles an hour to the fullest to the best of his ability and that's the truth um and i mean that goes for the biggest project in case i have to the littlest MOD composite. I mean, I take a lot of pride in everything I do because I want, I strive for perfection when like John Coyce taught us to achieve excellence and that motto stuck with me too. So I, I, that's just the way I am in all aspects of my life. If I do something, I don't just do it half fast. I want to do it with passion and love and, and enjoy it. Amazing. And like, just, just great advice. Uh, you know, I, I kind of want to ask you about cars just because of the Italian aspect. Um, I don't know if there's an easy way to, to do that and keep it to like a minute or two. But are you a car guy, Dr. Damo? Uh, I drive a Jeep Wrangler, but I am not. <laughs> okay, 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 cool, cool. Um, that That's good. Uh, what about this? What's one thing your patients have taught you over the years? One thing my patients have taught me. You know, I have to say, I think one of the hardest lessons for me in any aspect of my life is that it didn't work every time or it's not mm. perfect every time. And I have a very good rapport with my patients and they see it in my face because I can't hide emotion. So they know when I'm angry. They know when something's not going right. They know when I'm struggling or when I'm not happy. And I think... I, they taught me that not being perfect is okay. And as long as you own up to it and you explain it. And for example, you know, I'll put a veneer and a single tooth on someone and I'm like, God, I don't know. I think the color's a hair off. What do you think? And they're like, uh, you're nuts. But <laughs> if you don't like it, no, I mean, I'm happy. If you want to redo it, no problem. Or, if I say, hey, this didn't come out the best way. Like I had a, a good friend of mine in the chair and I, I was doing an onlay and I do a lot of them in-house with Sarek. And I I don't know why the, the lingual margin 
it was a hair open. And I was so upset because A, it's my friend, and I try to do everything on the protocol with rubber dam and retraction and and some, it just wasn't good. And I looked at him, I'm like, listen, consider it a temporary. And he's like, why? I go, ah, one of the margins is open. Now there's cement there, which is like composite and we probably could leave it, but I, I won't sleep good at night. He's like, you know, it's okay. And I'm like, I get it, but like, you don't have to come back tomorrow. Can you just come back and let me redo it? It'll make me feel better. And his reaction to me of, if it makes you feel better, fine, but I want you to know I appreciate your effort, your honesty, and the fact that if it's not good enough in your mouth, you're not going to leave it in my mouth. And I think that was a big pill for me to swallow because I wanted perfection at the first time. I couldn't handle redos. I, I would get so upset when something didn't go right. And it bothers me now, but I think they've made me feel like I'm human um, and they appreciate how much I, I care. And I think that's super important. You know, you're making me think of so many things, and that is just amazing. Thank you for sharing that. I, the thing you're making me think of, as funny as that is, you're talking about food a little bit earlier, but like, even like if I'm at a subway, and there are, there are sometimes when when the person puts like care into making the sandwich, and there are other times when it's a little bit rushed. You know, God bless all the subway workers out there, but if they just put that little bit of effort into like making the sandwich. It it really I'm really appreciative of that, you know, and in the sandwich, it tastes amazing. And, um, you know, maybe the grandma would disagree a little bit. But but I think another one of those thematic things like just caring and, and, and putting care into what you do just goes a long way, even if it's not perfect. Right. I, I couldn't agree more. And uh, you could go even further and talk about the person who takes your order and makes your coffee at Starbucks because you could see the yep. smile on their face as they're making it. And for some reason, that coffee tastes better than the person who's not in a good mood and act you, like you don't want to be there. <laughs> yeah, that, that's another great – two great examples for anyone listening. Um, so so that kind of leads into my next question a little bit uh, because it, it might go along those lines of you know not being perfect the first time despite how bad we'd like to be perfect. But how important is it to work with a good dental lab and why is that so important for dentists? Oh, wow. You asked my favorite question. And it's funny. Um, I forgot where I, oh, no, at last weekend in my course in Charleston with Amanda, we have a veneer uh, prep and temp course. And obviously we show a lot of cases. And I, I, I gave an example of a case I did with a certain lab. And I, I obviously will not mention anything. And they, it was beautiful. And I gave one of my really good friends the lab information. And she used the lab and then called me up and was freaking out. There's no way they gave me the same ceramics. There's no, your work looks so much better. And I called the lab because I'm friendly with them. And they're like, no, no, it, it, it was the same guy, but you should see what we got. And it was really hard for me to tell her. And what I tried to tell everyone in the class is, you could get any ceramics you want. I mean, I've seen people who use ceramics that I do and their work does not look like mine. And I want to attest that to the fact that, hey, I need to give my lab great impressions, great photos, enough room, and so on and so forth. If I don't, you guys are not going to have what you need to produce stellar results. And what's going to happen when it comes back? The doctor is going to blame you when the reality is it's their fault. So... I used to be a Sarek trainer back in the day. And you remember the when Sarek first came out, everyone was like, they're ugly, they're ugly, they're ugly. And I used to argue with everybody. 
And I would say, hey, let me ask you something. Have you ever seen an ugly PFM? Of course. Okay, have you ever gotten a crown back from a lab, a PFM back in the day? And you put it in and it looked good. And then you adjusted the occlusion and you threw metal. And what did you do? You blamed the lab and said they suck. <laughs> Every single time. The truth of the matter is you were the one who sucked because you didn't prep the tooth enough. So I never made an ugly Cerec because I always reduced enough for the computer to give me good anatomy because I had room. The same thing when I send stuff to labs. If my, I tell every lab I use, if you don't like what you see, I'm begging you to send it back to me because I'm going to be mad if you go through with it and don't tell me, and then I get garbage back because I gave you garbage in. But the reality is, unfortunately, you guys take all the heat for the mistakes that we make. And I think when dentists start to realize that, they're going to be better, get better work, and have better relationships with their lab. Because you guys can only do what we give you. And I, that was the actual easiest pill for me to swallow. And I think CAD CAM dentistry had a lot to do with that because Mike Zarek machine never talked back to me <laughs> or, or never told me, you know what, you under-reduced or you didn't do I learned it the hard way when stuff was breaking. And then I went back on the computer. I'm like, oh my God, I only had 0.9 reduction here. And I used feldspathic. Of course it's going to break, right? So I think that made me a better dentist. But I think once, and it again, for me, it was fast. But once a dentist could go get over the hump and say, you know what? Without my lab, I'm nothing. And I praise my labs all the time. I worked with the best ceramist on the planet, in my opinion, for 13 years of my career. And unfortunately she passed away with cancer at age 51. Um, she was working in the lab one day, she went blind. She Damn. went to the hospital and they found seven lesions on her brain and stage four lung cancer. And she never smoked a day in her life. Um, her name was Hak Chu Saver Cool. She was in San Diego and I've never seen ceramics like this wonderful, amazing lady made me and she made me look so good for so long so i have a huge appreciation for any lab especially the ones i work with because they make me look better than i am now on, on my defense i want to think that i give them enough and good enough information for them to deliver what i know they're capable of and i, I think that's a big big problem uh, in our field because Every dentist wants to blame the lab that it's their lab's fault. And the reality is it, it was their fault from the beginning. And if you have too much pride to, to swallow that pill, well, then your work is never going to be good. And you're never going to find a lab because the people I know that blame labs, and I know a lot of them, they juggle labs like, I mean, like oranges. I'm like, you really can't find one? It cannot be. How could it be that they're all bad? If you could take a step back and say, what the hell am I doing wrong? for none of these people to give me the results I want. Well, maybe it's you. And most of the time it is. So wise. You're very wise, Dr. Damo. It's just like another one of these thematic lessons. Uh, cause, cause it's like labs aren't perfect. You know, nobody's perfect. Um, but, but the more communication you can provide to the lab from the dentist, it allows the lab to communicate better with the dentist and get those preferences down and even just like take dentistry out of it, like life, you know, whatever it might be mm -hmm. with a spouse, with a friend, like communication is one of those major keys. And another great takeaway. Thank you for sharing. How about this little bonus question? What advice would you give to just dentists out there looking to maximize success in 2023, 2024, 
and many years into the future? That's a great question. Um, last night, I lectured to uh, Rutgers Aesthetic Dental Society. One of the um, I had done it a couple of years back. The the president of the group shadowed me a few times, as did her sister, and now her sister is the president. So I drove to Rutgers last night, and at the end, they all asked me basically the same question you just did. And my advice to them was very simple. Um, number one, education is key. Uh, I teach a lot, um, but I still take because uh, I always want to learn. And I, I was honest with them. I said, I spent more money in CE after dental school than I did on dental school. Um, and I, I, I think it's endless. So it, the minute you stop thinking that you don't have to learn anymore, then you might as well start packing it up because you're going to go downhill fast. And the second thing I told them was not to settle. Um, I think now, especially with the younger generation, you know, everything is so easy, right? Like, I'm hungry. Okay, I'm going to hit DoorDash and then dinner is going to be at my door in five seconds. Um, you know, I want I want a, mo a movie. You don't have to go to the movies and buy popcorn anymore. You just sit home and turn on Netflix. Uh, I mean, it's just too easy. Even yeah. I want to learn how to do crown lengthening. Let me just check out YouTube. I, that's a little frightening to me, to be honest. Um, and they want fast. And when they come out of school, they're in debt up to their ears and they're like, well, I'm going to take the first job that's going to offer me money. And they do. And then 10, eight, nine years later, they're miserable. And I've seen it with people that I'm friends with. And the reason they're miserable is they're not doing what they love. They never educated themselves. They focus strictly on, I have to pay my loans off and not, I want to go work for someone that inspires me or shadow someone that inspires me so that I could be better and then either go on my own or join that practice and do the kind of dentistry that's rewarding. Um, and I got lucky. I, I went into a fee-for-service practice when I first graduated, but I worked in, in other offices while I was moonlighting as a resident and I wouldn't have lasted 10 seconds. I even had one of the owners tell me I quit after three weeks. He was like, I'm surprised you made it three. And I was like, what? He's like, and he was honest. I love the guy. He was a sweetheart. He said, listen, I'm never going to do the stuff you want to do because my hands aren't that great, but I can get people out of the pain. And this is the kind of dentistry. And I respect that 150%. But he knew that I had other goals and visions and I went for it and, and succeeded. And I, I see a lot of kids come out of school and be like, I'm going to take this job. I'm like, take a step back. Take a step back and really figure out what you want to do. Because if you go to work miserable every day, it, it, it's inevitably going to come home and make the rest of your life miserable. And as busy as I am, as tired as I am, as much as I don't stop or sleep, I love going to work. I mean, yeah. yes, I have days when I want to quit because it's, it's exhausting and sometimes patients are exhausting. But in terms of what I get to do for people, the type of dentistry I can deliver at this point after thousands of hours of CE and thousands of hours of practicing. It's amazing. It's really, really awesome. And I told every kid yesterday, I said, you're lucky. We're in the best profession in the country by far, hands down. It's what you make of it. So I would tell any dentist, even a dentist. I mean, I have people who come to me to mentor them for accreditation for the ACD starting at 58, 60 years old. And they're like, I need a spark. And I love that because why not? 
I mean, why not work the last third of your, your last quarter of your, of your season or game doing something that makes you, that you're passionate about, that you love, that you, that motivates you, that makes you better. And I've done that for my whole career. I've always tried to do that. And I always just tell any dentist or any student, um, don't ever give up on that. Don't ever settle for money. Don't sell out and, and become the best you can be. And you're going to find out how awesome this career really is. Amazing words. Just amazing, Dr. Adamo. That That is, uh, you know, you spoke about passion and, and loving what you do and that that trickling into every aspect of your life. Like I can I can feel it in this interview. Um, and it's amazing how you're you're kind of like giving this advice on the next generation and no matter how old they or young they might be. And, that, and that's what's so cool about this show. Like there are kids in dental school listening to this. There are established dentists listening to this and even some retired ones as well. So, so I really appreciate that. Real quick, um, you know, going back to mentorship for a sec, you're probably just a tremendous mentor to so many dentists out there. But did you have anyone that mentored you that comes to mind that you want to maybe uh, say some words about or, or shout out for a sec? Oh, for sure. For sure. So um, there's a couple. I'll give you my my three biggies that really, really, really changed my life. Um, my first was Dr. Gary Alex. Uh, Dr. Alex is a very well-known clinician. He's retired now. He just retired recently. He practiced a mile away from me. And when I got into the practice I'm in, we had a study club and I presented a case and he pulled me aside after and he said, you have amazing hands your preps are beautiful but you don't know shit and i was like oh okay then <laughs> and he was like i want you to go to dawson and learn occlusion and i want to take you to the acd to do cosmetics so i did and um he really really showed me the kind of dentistry that i want to do because he was practicing it for years and years and years and he's the most successful dentist in long island by far um that i know of so he was the first. Um, when I went through accreditation with the ACD, I met my uh, accreditation mentor, who's now the fellowship chairman, Dr. Brad Olson. And um, it was funny because I, when I took his course to do accreditation, you had to take it as a prereq. I was sitting next to Hak Chu and Hak Chu was his ceramist also. So during the course, there was 150 people in this class. He said, you know, if you're looking for a mentor, go on the website and pick a names. I am unfortunately too busy and I'm not taking on any mentees. So we were at a little, I don't know, bonfire that night. And I was sitting next to Hak Chu and Brad was on the other side and he leaned over and he said, I saw you in class next to Hak Chu today. And I said, yeah. And he said, are you going to do accreditation? I said, yeah, I took the, I'm taking the written exam tomorrow morning. And he said, do you need a mentor? I said, yeah, I know you're not taking any, but can you recommend? He goes, no, no, no. You work with Hak Chu? I said, yeah. He goes, I'll take you. And I never learned so much, especially in terms of aesthetics, from any one human being. The guy's eye is unbelievable. And I mean, it was the, the best thing I ever did in terms of, of my aesthetic dentistry. Um, he was my accreditation chair, uh, accreditation mentor and my fellowship mentor. And, um, the guy's phenomenal. So he was number two. And obviously everybody knows number three, uh, Dr. John Coyce um, has been a pivotal part of my life um, since I started at the Dawson, at the Coyce Center. And, uh, you know, I did Dawson first and then I went to the Coyce Center and I, and I enjoyed Dawson very much. But there's something about John 
as an educator, as a human being. Um, he's one of the most special people that I've ever met. And uh, we have a great relationship still. Um, he invites Amanda and I to teach at the center a few times a year. And uh, it's really humbling to teach at the place that you learned and stand on the other side of the podium that your idol stands behind every day. Um, it's been truly a, a really, really amazing, humbling experience. So those are the three people that really um, changed my life in dentistry and, and guided me on a path that allowed me to get where I am. Wow. Thank you for sharing. Uh, amazing interview. Dr. Damo, any final thoughts today? Um, the only thought I have right now is when is Salah going to leave Liverpool and come back to Roma? But other than that, bro, I'm, I'm good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. How, how are they doing so far? You know what? They kill me because they play three, four games. Good. They're creeping up to make it into the champions league. And then they lose some dumb game to somebody at the bottom of the barrel. And I'm like, how do you not hold it together for the easy game? And you play well and <laughs> you beat Juventus and you lose to like the worst team in the league. So I don't know. I, I, I'm not a huge Mourinho fan. I don't love him as their coach. I think he did great with other teams, but he's not doing it for me this year. But I just think they need better players, too. I mean, they used to have a lot. I mean, a, a whole boatload of players that are in all the big names now. And if they were still on that team, maybe we would be something. But we'll see. Well, well, I'm looking at the table at the time of this recording. They have 47 points. They're in the fifth spot. So is it the top three make Champions League in Serie A? So top four, they might be able to pull it off. We'll see. Oh, okay. Very cool. So it looks like right now they're in the Europa League spot. Um, yeah, the good news is is they're only five points behind Lazio in the number two spot. But it looks like Napoli's oh, just running That's away like with the, it. The big Napoli's unbelievable. But the fact that it's Lazio above them hurts even worse because that's like, <laughs> oh my god! I, I think I'm I lost my appetite. I'm not even going to eat lunch today thinking about that. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, real quick, how is Napoli so good? Like, who do they have these days? I, I, I'm you, I'm a little out of touch with the Serie A, but that's the funny thing is I think this coach put together a team of almost no names and they play ball. Um, their yeah. their big star came out of nowhere. He's 20 years old from Georgia. The guy's insane, and their forward they have is amazing. But I think his strategy, the players he picked in spots, I mean, they play chess, and they tear you apart. They're unbelievable. Unbelievable. I'm, I think, looking, honestly, they have a shot at Champions League. That's how good they are. I'm looking right now. It's looking like uh, Man United and Chelsea want Victor Osimhen. That's him. That's for him. 150 million euros. Like, that yeah. is no small deal. This guy must be amazing. I'm not the researcher. And I think – I think Napoli got him for under 20, so you can tell what uh that's some good business. The guys have. Yeah, that's a good business deal. And, and and meanwhile, Juventus is in the in the seventh spot. That's kind of unusual. Well, well they got a 15-point deduction. That's what happened. Okay. Yeah, they wow. did for some uh, something illegal, which is typical of Juventus, unfortunately. But um <laughs> Yeah, they got. So I don't remember exactly what it was, but they get no. They had a fifteen point deduction, or they'd be right up there. Okay, okay, that makes more sense. See, this is that this is that second level intel that we need. Yeah, so, uh, exactly. whether it's whether it's dentistry, <laughs> or whether it's football, whether it's soccer, whatever you like to call it, I love it. We appreciate Doctor Adamo today. Doctor Adamo, thank you for joining us. Uh, this has been another great episode of Confessions from a Dental Lab. I encourage everyone to to text this show to a friend and, and together we can all get a little bit better. Dr. Damo, before we wrap up, what's the best way for people to get in touch with you? 
Uh, I would say either on Instagram, uh, my Instagram handle is Adamo Elvis or email. My email is Adamo Elvis at gmail.com. Very cool. I'll I'll make sure to put that in the episode description. Uh, Thank you, everybody, for listening. Thank you, Dr. Adamo, for a great episode. And we look forward to catching everyone again real soon. See ya. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening to this episode of Confessions from a Dental Lab. If you'd like to contact the show, simply send us an email at dentallabpodcast at gmail.com. You can also get in touch with us at life at newartdental on Instagram. Thank you for listening once again. We're on Apple Podcasts. We're on Spotify. Make sure to subscribe and tell a friend. And until next time, we're out.